0: News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Lynn Hall's on the other side of the glass, making sure everything's fabulous over there, so we appreciate that. we got some bad news from Phil. Uh, one of our good listeners says, Happy Groundhog Day. Only six more weeks of winter. Great broadcast was on PCN. Governor Shapiro was in attendance. Did you know the Groundhog Day? Did you
2: forget something? What? Like me, for example.
1: Oh well, I didn't introduce myself or you.
2: Yes, you did. You said this is Mark Lawrence and our great producers Lynn Hall, and you completely ignored me. <sighs> this is more passive-aggressive behavior and is totally unacceptable. It's woke. I'm being woke. <laughs> well, brother, you need woke. Woke people ignore <laughs> ultra-conservative. That's right. You boogeyman. want to cancel us? Is that correct? You're a
1: boogeyman. You must be canceled. <laughs> cancel me. You must be. You were part of the stolen election uh, cabal. Oh, yeah, you're part of the cabal. The cabal. Okay. All well, actually, right. Joe McGranahan is here. Just I'm an
2: insurrectionist,
1: right? Fabulous guy. <laughs> uh, he's been was the COO here for a better part of three decades, and just a super manager.
2: He was That's why you don't need to go through all that. Just say good morning, Joe. It's nice to have you here, <laughs> even if it isn't. Right. Okay. And this okay. okay even if it is. February second, and yesterday I did not mention anything about your appearance, so I'm a day late but perhaps not a dollar short, in saying, gee, Mark, you're strikingly handsome. Thank you. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, that's it's right. You Sorry. It's in your contract. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't pay you. That's right. We don't give you a w- why that's important for, to the management and ownership here is beyond me, but apparently it was important enough to put it in my contract. Well,
1: I had I was able to take a few liberties in Were the you contract okay? writing. So <laughs> so this was your
2: doing. Yeah, You admit to it. All right.
1: You're the only person willing to do it. Everybody else quit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it tells you what I am.
1: <laughs> right. and Now we know what you are. Well, we just I, have to come I up with it.
2: over the price. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boy, we're digress. Didn't take yes, long to no, digress not did, in but here. But Joe
2: went downhill rather quickly this uh, morning.
1: Uh, we are hoping to coordinate a call from Steve Portnoy during the 9 a.m. hour. We asked for a call, and uh, his good handlers uh, said that <laughs> handlers. he's yeah, he's like Punxsutawney Phil. Um,
2: they drag him out and hold him up in the air, and say, right,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, said that he'd be available at uh, let's see, 9:20 or nine. I'm sorry. This email has like 50 schedules in it, uh, but uh, any one of those, or 9:40 or 9:30. So those are the times. All right. I just replied. Anyone would do. So we'll do. Fabulous. Yeah. He likes to talk to. He's one of the CBS correspondents. Always excited to talk to us. Thane Rosenbaum is always excited because he knows that Joe's going to ask him tough questions. So uh, that's good. We well, got
2: like Jim Grisola, too.
1: Uh Yeah. We got an email from uh, the Open Discourse Coalition. They have a new board member named Fred Keller. And one of our good listeners sent me a text earlier. It says, Fred is now gainfully employed, employed by the man who owns the new uh, wood mode, Bill French. So maybe he'll be working in Kramer. Actually, or no, Edison he's been to be working
2: in Lancaster. Oh, is he? Okay. Was I was just going
1: to say, Kramer. Or, story
2: out about that this morning.
1: Oh uh, Okay. Uh, French has a number of uh, endeavors. Around the world. So, yeah, Fred landed on his feet after he got uh, districted out of the uh, redistricting process. So he lost, and he could have run anywhere in the state against any other incumbent. He so chose, but decided to back down. uh, talked about running against Congressman Muser. I think that might be a little difficult to unseat him, but they are equal, so uh, maybe that would have uh, helped him to kind of get uh, back in office. But in any event, okay, so that, one of the emails relates to Fred's new job as a fellow at the office, uh, Open Discourse Coalition, based out of Lewisburg, but serving the region, trying to make sure that all kinds of divergent views are heard from. Of course, Fred represents the conservative views. There are some liberals on this, it's Bucknell's opportunity to make sure that uh, all voices get an open mic uh, and that uh, people don't get squelched by the conservative university that's up there or uh, they don't emphasize Bucknell's
2: a conservative university, is it?
1: Uh, th- these people would tell the organizers of the Open Discourse Coalition, so certain uh, uh, ultra-conservative folks, and s- and some other folks weren't allowed to speak at Bucknell. So they started the Open Discourse Coalition. It is off-campus, and it's privately run. They bought an b- old bank building. And they use that for their headquarters and uh, fora, and uh, they have some staff. How about the fauna, uh, they don't have any fauna. Well, they no might, fauna? they might, they probably have a couple. A couple faunas. of sheep
2: <laughs> laying around.
1: I, I don't know. They have a deer. A deer, okay. great a miniature deer. Okay, so that's that, folks. We got open phones. We would invite you to contact us on the Is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. So, yeah, please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll free line is gone, but we have a regular line here, 570 743 9565. That's 570 743 9565. You can email us at on themark at com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword open. OTM. In uh, many cases, we we ask you to keep your references to a less than 150 characters, so we don't want anybody to get to lose some of the content from their message. So you got 150 characters and put the keyword OTM in there if you wish to uh, text us. We hope to hear from Steve Portnoy as our hour progresses. So we will keep you posted uh, about that. Uh, let's see what else they want to tell you. Joe McGranahan is here, super right, we've, conservative. We've gone Papa. over that.
2: We've plowed that field. So we don't need to go back over it again. But, you know, there's big stuff, big news going on around the world today. I mean, yesterday we had the uh, terrible, uh, tragic funeral for a young man killed by the police in in Memphis, Tennessee. So I noticed the uh, Al Sharpton was there. Uh, giving the eulogy. He seems to show up every time there's some politically motive, uh, involved element to a, a shooting. And the vice president was there, and she was demanding a re, uh, reassessment, if you will, of the George Floyd bill that you, we talked about here the other day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked about the key provisions of that, and they're trying to get some Republicans to support it now. Do you, do you believe that there is a chance for that bill to pass, and does it do anything useful? Well, banning chokeholds might
1: be something. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah, we, but
2: neither we, of these people died of chokeholds.
1: Right. I'm not saying that it would have helped in these particular cases. I think the limited immunity is uh, probably the sticking point because if you can't. It would make a police officer um, protected from civil liability if they're performing their duties. It would be a protective measure. I've talked to some police officers around here who say... in in one sense, uh, they of course would enjoy the protection, but in the other sense, it really is a squelching factor for police. They would be afraid that, you know, some officers, if there are brutal officers out there somewhere, you know, who knows where they're hidden in the hearts of otherwise well-behaved officers, uh, might use it as a license to do more. You know, if the city faces liability or the community they work for faces liability, that's one thing, but for them to face personal liability afterward is Uh, something else entirely, and so... Um, you know, a lot, well, of, a lot of police el- officers favor that.
2: It doesn't eliminate it. It, it limits it right. to their, their ability to claim that. But, you know, let's talk for, for a minute about body cams. Now, if there were no body cams, we wouldn't really have any idea other than the policeman's word about what happened to to, uh, tra- uh, to any of these people, really. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, unless people were actually standing by the scene and photographing, which they are allowed to do, I guess. You can't, you can't say that they can't do it.
1: Well, that's a new provision. A lot of cops still tell folks you can't videotape them working. Well, they're wrong. Right, they are wrong. No argument there.
2: But, you know, if a cop comes up to you and says, you can't videotape me working, you know, the impression is that you'll be arrested if you you know, for, on you some charge going. or another if you keep going. That's why I like body cameras. I think that they make a great deal of sense. I think they protect the municipality or the sponsoring agency of the police department. I think they serve as a check against – they should serve as a kind of check against what happened in Memphis, although apparently in this case they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and ironically, these police officers, not in addition to everything else, apparently lied about what the what they, what they was going on. And their, video, their own video uh, tape, if you will, uh, showed that they were lying. Mm-hmm. You know, so what sense does that make to have a body camera on and then think that it will show something, what you say happened, as opposed to what really happened?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a disregard, almost like a suspension of reality for them. And they, Once they got into the, uh, you know, really the heavy beating portion of that, it became obvious that uh, they were uh, not paying attention to the fact that they were being recorded by their own cameras, let alone the neighborhood cameras that existed there. That neighborhood camera captured... Uh, the clearest picture of the beating—it's you know the, the really the most severe, camera. right? So, um, just a, a lack of awareness of that, or or no longer worrying about it, thinking that uh, you know that punishment they were meeting out. But you're right, the officers lied when they said that uh, you know they summoned paramedics because he was suffering shortness of breath. Well, from the pepper spraying, I believe they listed that as the cause. So, um,
2: probably had more to do with the beating he took. To well, me. exactly, and
1: I think the paramedics <laughs> thought the guy was just stunned and then uh, didn't require medical treatment, so they didn't render aid, You know, but, uh, nor did they help him from anything that would relate to his trouble breathing or the pepper this, spray. When
2: I brought this up, I don't think the George Floyd bill mm-hmm. would have solved this problem. No, but I think it's,
1: if, if you know, remember what one of the police has said in, I don't remember the weekend show it was, it might have been on NPR, that uh, police really require years of trainings if you really want them to de-escalate and to be able to do what we're asking them to do. So would the George Floyd bill, in, it, whether, it, get it negotiated to the point where it can get through, uh, would it start to establish this mentality that more and more training is necessary and helpful? Uh, local communities probably can't really afford tons and tons of training it's already an expensive no, endeavor for aren't them
2: aren't there some quick fixes for example um here's one that i thought of the senior officer involved is always in charge you know right that, supervision right that, that that there is a definite responsibility if you're the senior officer on the scene you are responsible for what happens there okay and you know you and you agree when you sign on that you are totally responsible and that's
1: already a policy in most communities. Right.
2: Well, but there wasn't, apparently, there wasn't like a corporal or a sergeant here. There was a detective. So, in theory, the detective would have been... The person in charge, because or if you they go through longevity. Yeah, but you know you might can't
1: have been hired as a detective.
2: They all seem to be aware of the seniority system in in police departments. You know how long, for example, in the military, if there are two major generals, which one makes the decision? Well, the one who's been the major general the longest makes the decision. You okay. know, so they they have that kind of hierarchy in place. So why not codify it? Make them ultimately responsible for the action and any call. I mean, that, that's the case if a two man police car, one's a trainee, and one's an, uh, an experienced officer, the experienced officer is in charge. I still think the worst thing I saw there was that no one took command, no one said, this has got to stop, this is Yeah, wrong. it was just like a
1: gang of teenagers you know, where, or something.
2: Where somebody could have said, stop. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't, I mean, I would think that the worst punishment should go to the senior officer who did nothing. But now what bothers me is they're they're scouring the videotape and they they've dug up other officers including some who were not at the scene. They've dug up uh, paramedics who maybe weren't exactly involved. I mean they're trying to find everybody who was even tangentially involved in this. And they're trying to punish them. I, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, if they knew what had happened, the this, this size of the spectacle that had happened and the you know the depth of the crime that had occurred and did nothing or did too little or didn't follow procedures, you know, procedures are pretty clear for a lot of these officers. Sure, they so are. If, uh, and they should be. If you didn't follow something and you were supposed to, whether an EMT or a fire department employee or a police officer, then you would suffer whatever the uh, Regulations call for there well, right. that would
2: be one thing I think that would actually work, making somebody accountable, completely accountable for the actions of the others, and maybe certain calls should have an, automatically a a sergeant or hire assigned to it. you know the minute they said that this guy uh, was driving recklessly that they they stopped him and he didn 't comply they were on the phone, they were on the radio talking about that, somebody should have immediately said. I'm on my way. I'm going to take charge.
1: Right. We invite you to call and comment on this. We're talking about uh, the Tyree Nichols funeral and the uh, infractions of the regulations, uh, national and local, that occurred there. What's your view on this topic? A lack of uh, sergeant supervision appeared to be the case at that scene. 570-743-9565. That's 570-743-WKOK. You can email us at onthemark and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM.
3: Mm, mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, Me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors
1: Welcome back to the KFK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe is here. we got callers lined up. Stan, you're on the Mark. We started out talking about the George Floyd bill in Washington, D.C., and the funeral of uh, Tyree Nichols. Now, what's your view on these topics?
4: Well, we just need to get rid of white racism and supremacy out of the police force.
1: Or just brutality in general.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, just, you know, get rid of, get rid of the white, <laughs> white supremacists. You know, that wouldn't have happened down there if the white supremacy had all been removed from the police force, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, there are those who believe that white supremacy played a part in this because the black officers wouldn't have been misbehaving if it weren't for white supremacy. (laughs) Hmm. That seems to be what the MSN... That's the MSNBC (laughs) line, in any event.
4: But Van Jones on CNN, I think, is the first one that postulated that theory.
2: Could be. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah... I, I did see you now the first the five officers that did the beatdown and the killing. They were all black, but I did hear that they fired or put on suspension. I'm not sure which. Another one or two officers, and one of those was white, but I'm not even sure he was on the scene.
2: Yes, he was on the scene at first. He was one. He was the officer that fired the taser, but then oh, okay. he was not on the scene when they fought, when the other black officers beat the guy half to death.
5: Okay.
4: Now I, I still uh, I still haven't seen. You know the original uh, reason they supposedly pulled the guy over was reckless driving, right?
2: Right.
1: Yeah. And but a-
4: there was reports later that they backed that backed off that said there was no reckless driving because the car cams didn't support that. Am I correct on that, or did I hear wrong?
1: Yeah, I didn't hear anything about the traffic stop itself. Um, yeah, well, don't it know. was
2: supposed to be uh, reckless driving, but there was nothing on the video that indicated that he was recklessly driving. So,
4: okay. So, so when they did get him stopped, I did see part of the video there where they drug him out of the car. Right now, I'm not sure. Did did it, was there any audio of what uh, made that happen? Did the guy back talk on him? Say no, screw you. I didn't do nothing? Was there, was that? I, I, well, we, I don't we, know if I heard that.
2: I, I don't think anybody heard that because apparently they walked up to the car and drug him out. I mean, there was no apparently no interaction before that other than whatever it was that made them stop him in the first place.
1: Yeah, you're left to assume what you can, you know, and that he must have had some interaction. Maybe said, why are you stopping me? Or, you know, said, I'm just trying to get home, which it would be his phrase later.
4: Okay, see that's the that's the problem. We're we're left to assume,
1: right? Yeah, so, don't know.
4: So that that, that becomes a whole another problem. But oh, was the window down on the car door when they opened it? Can you tell from the video? I couldn't tell.
6: Yeah, you know, I don't know.
4: Normally, if a cop pulls up on me and he gets out of the car and comes up, my window's down, correct? Because I want to know what what I did wrong. Usually, I know what I did wrong. Usually, it's a little he- heavy on the on the gas pedal, right. but. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, so was the window down? I don't know if I could tell by looking at when they opened the door.
1: You alpha males in your speeding, I'll tell you, this yeah, is yeah crazy. Yeah, yeah,
4: you know, you know, but I admit it. I know when I when when I'm speeding, I know I'm speeding and generally I see the red lights oh, crap and I pull right over and stop. And yeah. wait for him.
1: Right, and Joe.
4: Because I know what I was doing.
1: Joe's the opposite. He he gets his <laughs> lawyer and <laughs> tells yeah. the officer, how did you time me and all this stuff?
4: Yeah, so so we don't know exactly what started the whole thing, other than what we were initially told, and then we're told, that's not what started. it. So what would cause somebody, anybody, let alone a cop, to pull a driver out of his vehicle and start beating on him?
2: Well, we don't know. I mean, seriously, we just don't know what did, what caused that. So so is training going to solve that problem? Well, if his reckless driving, the only thing I could think of, the only possible, and it's not a justification, the only possible... Motive at all would be if his reckless driving endangered somebody to the extent that the officers became enraged by it. But he wasn't drunk; he didn't have any. wasn't impaired driving. There's no history of the young man being uh, bad behind the wheel that I know of. And there's no radio traffic that
1: supports a confrontation. Uh, the you know <laughs> networks have gone back. You can listen to these scanners in retrospect, and they've gone back and listened. They can hear the incident occurring, but it's after you and I already start to see what's going on. We don't hear anything right. ahead of it.
4: So, so they pulled him out of the car and from what I read, and I don't know if I watched it on the video that far, he ran away. Not got in his car, but he ran away, correct?
2: No, he he, he ran away, but after they were apparently dragging oh, yeah, him and pulling already him fought on the ground, him a little bit. kicking
4: him. Right. So after they drug him out of the car, he was able to get up and he ran away and they ran after him and I guess they really doubled down on the beatdown. <laughs>
1: they tried to taste him. Maybe successfully taste him, and then pepper sprayed him throughout that.
4: So yeah, I'm thinking. You know, if if I if I'm doing nothing wrong, okay. Now this is me, and I stop for the cops like they want, and they just come up to the car and oh yank the door open and drag my butt out and start beating me, I think i try to get up and run away, too. Well,
2: I, I yeah. agree with you. I, yeah. If I could, I would. And they also yeah. said that the uh, the police procedure... I heard Lawrence Jones on Fox over the weekend. and he, No relation. No, no relation. He handles a, a lot of the, the criminal stuff for them. And he was talking about police procedure, and he, from what he, he knows of it, and apparently knows quite a bit, that there's no way on earth you walk right up and drag somebody out of a car. If it's a felony stop, if they've done something bad, you tell them what doing. The hands out the window throw the keys out the out the window you know open the door with your left hand uh, get out walk backwards toward me I mean it's a felony stop at that point it's not you walk up to the car drag a guy out and start pounding on him
4: right and that's to me that's what it look what I seen in the videos that's what it looks like happened yep so so again Okay, Is, does we
2: white supremacy get another rear its ugly head there?
1: we got to get another caller going.
2: We'll give you a call. Know. <laughs> I, <understand, so. laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, no, I don't think... I, it doesn't appear to me that there was a racial component here. It appears that there was some sort of anger that got way out of control. Well, personally...
4: I think it's part of the Democrat control of that city down there is the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. a Democrat control. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. People can think what they want to think, but you know that seems to be a problem in these cities well, that, that have the ma- major crime issues.
1: Well, and I think you're probably right because I think a lot of democratically run cities see how Republicans use fire extinguishers to hit cops and the and the flag right, 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 Mark. Yeah, right. yeah that, so that wasn't a
4: cop, they, I don't think, and I'm and I'm not sure, really. Right. What, what happened there? Those people were idiots, and, and it's possible they were Antifa members in there trying to stir up bombs. But yep, there you we'll go. let that go for another <laughs> day is. because we don't know for sure because we don't see all the video that came out of that event
1: there you go. and
4: have the full truth. You only have one side of it, Mark. And so we'll let is. that one go
2: for now. <laughs> all right, but thank we you, did sir. see what happened in Memphis, <laughs> all
1: right, and we know, we know who's sir. in control there. The bear so you all have one. a great day.
2: <laughs> right. Thanks, you, buddy. You poked the bear on that one, brother. She
1: You're on the mark. You get a couple minutes left. Okay. Um, First thing, um, police
7: and EMS have a duty to act, and they have to act in appropriate manners. So um, dragging someone out of the car, uh, I think that maybe someone, one of the five officers' mom lived two doors away from this guy, and they knew him from, maybe not. And maybe he has a rap sheet. They're not talking about that. Maybe he has... Twenty-three arrests for minor, small things, but the uh, you know maybe known to the police, but uh, it doesn't uh, condone beating them. But have in your lives, both of you, um, have you ever listened to somebody talk and then have a thought come unbidden into your mind?
2: Give me an example. What What
7: I'm referring to is that. I'm going to throw a grenade into the foxhole, and your phone's going to explode. But when you were talking earlier, both of you, about um, the, with the right thing to do, etc., when you know about something, the thought that came to my mind, unbidden, I, I mean, I don't look, you know, with my life focused on this, was Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno should have, I mean, that was, what you guys said fits, in my opinion, perfectly with Joe Patroner and Jerry Sandusky. How? Yeah, he, uh, he knew he didn't do enough, and I think that's also part of the problem here. That whatever that guy was that left or what, he he knew there was something going on, and he didn't do enough. I feel for those children that Sandusky molested that. That boat, all all of them, Spanier and those other two people, and send us and uh, and uh, Paterno didn't do enough for the kids. That's my opinion, and that's my grenade for the day. Have a good day.
6: All, all right, it. Thank you
1: so much. All right, Dale, you get a minute. I know no, you get thirty I, seconds.
7: I, I, yeah, I just
8: wanted to say, you know that that film that was released, that was intentional for a reason because. Media tends to manipulate outcomes. Uh, most of your, <laughs> most of your Fox, Fox News watchers, they didn't do nothing. So now it's the Democrats time to do
2: something. Dale, call back after the news yep, if you want to. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Good, Good comment. and We'll hear the rest of it later morning everyone. You are listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury, Sunbury Motor Company sponsor of On the Mark. CBS News is next. we we'll have Stephen Portnoy at 920. You're listening to WKOK
6: Sunbury.
0: News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Greetings, welcome on board, WKOK's live telephone talk show on The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, Mr. Joe's across me, just a super guy, strikingly handsome, ultra-conservative, no, no, natural...
2: you not required to say that about oh, me. okay, good. And actually, I find it rather embarrassing, considering the fact this Kramer said on Seinfeld, I'm hideous, don't look at me. <laughs> there you go. You remember uh, that episode? Uh, uh, ooh, ooh. I'm no, hideous,
1: look away, yes. Yeah, look away, yeah, that uh, was one of my favorite episodes. But he didn't invent that line, where did it come from? That's from Phantom, isn't
2: it? I don't. Well, yeah, I guess it was a takeoff on the fan. Right. right, yeah.
1: I'm hideous look away. All right, 5707. Oh, seven, f- fortunately, Joe and I have a face for radio. So That's fi- right. Seven, four, What's that
2: online line? Giving ugly men or ugly people it showed, uh, an opportunity <laughs> <Hope>. for employment.
1: <laughs> I, some people said, you don't have to look that handsome. I just refer to it as hope.
2: Yeah, well, someone said to me once, you have a real face for radio.
1: 570743, oh, Wdkok. That's 5707439565. Oh, five. You can email us. Us at on the mark at WKOK.com and text us at seven zero two three six include the keyword OTM on the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company check them out at SunburyMotors.com. Dale thank you for waiting go right ahead you are on the mark yeah
8: I think that video being released on a Friday night you know that's same thing like your callers you know the media and politics are the same thing they. They they need a reaction. They need a response. The best thing to do is just, just remain quiet. Don't respond to nothing. Don't react to nothing. They'll hear it herself. You know that's what keeps the wheels rolling. I mean, there's a lot of people that are not intelligent to realize that's how the game is played. Same thing with voting. You got to stop voting. You got to stop responding to social media. You got to stop calling this radio station. You need to help yourselves. I think you people are
2: what? real sick. Dale, you just, you're just violating yeah. your own principles. You called this radio station.
8: Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just trying. You know, I like fixing things and helping people, but it's, oh,
2: man, it's very bad. You're not helping you, us yeah. by telling people not what to was call. The
8: purpose of, <laughs> what was the purpose of that, you know, of putting that on a Friday night? You know, it was if Fox News listeners would respond, and now they didn't. Now it's, now it's the other stations that uh, people had to respond.
1: I think the judge you know, did it because he wanted to see the Sunday morning talk shows on TV scramble.
8: I just wanted to know who's worse, the United States media or United States government, because I think we're <laughs> going like, we're, we're like, uh, right now, like the Mexican drug cartels, the way they run operations. It's very sick. And then you have people who respond and react to it. That's like pigeons you oh, be, We're back to the you birds, know, throw seeds to the birds. Down, You start pecking at it you gotta, People need to step up man There's a lot of life to live God gave you life You got a lot of life to live Get out of there You're in a hole Your head's in the sand Get out of there Stop
1: voting Jeez. <laughs> it's, it's like, like six,
8: pigeons Our head's in the sand Don't call the radio station <laughs> You stop voting I mean really Stop What? Responding. Stop reacting That's
2: it You have I to mean, vote hey,
8: That's how you guys Make your business I understand that I understand that, but, you know, like I said, you, you, dang, there's just people waiting for every piece of news. I, I, I know people like that. All they do is talk about news.
2: Oops. <laughs> That's Yikes. what
8: we
1: do here. <laughs> See you, Dale. We got to go. I got <laughs> right. to talk about the news.
2: Right. You got to give right. the news.
1: Right. All right. You're uh, a pigeon. You know that. You're a pigeon. Right. Um, I'm just waiting for a breadcrumb. <laughs> well, so. you're All not right. we, going to
2: get one for me, brother. We Let do me.
1: have some brief news headlines here. Uh, fires out in Lewisburg. We told you earlier today an alarm went in around 530 this morning for a house on South 6th Street. The home was damaged by the two alarm house fire volunteers. And The William Cameron Engine Company converged on that house fire in Lewisburg this morning. That happened at around 5.20 this morning when the first alarm came in. Punxsutawney Phil saw a shadow, so what happens next?
0: Hear ye, hear ye. Now on this February 2nd, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn on Gobbler's Knob. Phil looked to the skies and then, speaking in groundhog ease, directed this President Dunkel to the proper scroll, which reads, <laughs> I see the morning has brought the finest people. I see their bravery and spirit. The time has come, I can feel it. The excitement, I can hear it. I see the folks with gray in their hair, and I see the kids all young and scrawny their eyes and cheeks aglow from the cold, clean air of sweet Punxsutawney. I see that everyone knows their part, and I am merely the sage. But above all else, I see a shadow on my stage, and so... No matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather.
2: Of uh, absolute ridiculous
1: <laughs> events. <laughs> That's funny. CBS Irish offered up that cut, and they said it was 15 seconds.
2: We used to have a, a uh, meteorologist years ago when we had CompuWeather named Joe Rayo, and he absolutely hated mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. So oh, okay. The idea of a rodent forecasting the weather is preposterous. <laughs> well, the
1: funny thing is that... Um, the groundhog is the, some either accurate or somebody did a, a forecast uh, or looked at all his predictions and then went backwards at what actually happened whether we had an early spring or not. The the groundhog is only thirty nine percent accurate. How can how can you <laughs> randomly choose something and only be one third accurate? That's like picking uh, tails only one third of the time.
2: Well, but let's face it: six more weeks of winter weather. That's exactly what's left on the calendar. Right. So
1: yeah, but it. Can we can have an early spring. Come on now. Work we could with us have here. an early spring. Which we're going to have. If you listen to uh, D- Joe Lundberg, uh, he does our forecast on 94KX. Says, so we're going to start to get uh, milder and milder each day here. We've already had a mild winter. we got a 36-hour cold snap starting Friday afternoon, but then uh, we're going to warm up again on Sunday. All right. All so right. The rest <laughs> of the headlines. The numbers continue going down for COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in Pennsylvania, but the number of deaths reported statewide continues continues. continues high. 158 new deaths in the past week. That's 78 fewer than the week before. Two deaths were reported in Northumberland County. The rest of the COVID-19 trends are creeping downwards. That's the good news. COVID-19 cases locally on the way down as well. AP reporting that man, a serial killer, Harold Holman III, pleaded guilty in Michigan to his latest opportunity to be in court to admit to a killing. This was a killing that had occurred in 2005 of a young woman. He's also admitted to the deaths of a woman in Bloomsburg and one in McClure. The Sheets convenience store chain came under fire recently for a smile policy, and they've decided to do away with it. WTAJ reported the policy in the handbook related to dental hygiene of their employees, saying from now on, all applicants with obvious, missing, broken, or badly discolored teeth unrelated to a disability are not qualified for employment with sheets business insider first reported that the report also continued on that current employees have 90 days to resolve any dental issues that shows they have obviously missing broken or badly discolored teeth not related to a disability But now the executive vice president of people and culture at Sheets said in a statement to WTAJ, they now agree with the employees and the policy will be discontinued effective (laughs) immediately. So all the people with the missing teeth that suddenly had to get false teeth there are grandfathered in. They can keep their missing teeth so to speak.
2: Okay. Well, their eye is obviously on the sparrow here.
1: Uh, yeah, something's <laughs> happening. Okay, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy left his hour-long face-to-face meeting with President Biden, optimistic they'll find a compromise to raise the debt ceiling. CBS's Nicole D'Antonio has the latest from the White House.
4: Democrats say it's hard to give much weight to negotiations at this stage since Republicans have yet to lay out exactly
9: how much and what they want to cut.
8: For days, Speaker McCarthy has heralded this sit-down as some kind of major win in his debt ceiling talks. But Speaker McCarthy is forgetting something obvious to everyone else. If you don't have a plan, you can't seriously pretend you're having any real negotiation.
4: McCarthy said he's not going to release what he called his big plan to the media right now.
1: All right. Uh, now we're going to go to Mike, and we have five minutes until Stephen Portner is on the line. Eric, I hate to do this, but we're going to have to ask you to call back after Stephen Portner. He's coming up at 920 this morning. So we'll start out with Mike. Mike, hello, sir. Please go right ahead.
10: Actually, it's Eric.
1: Oh, I want hit Mike's the wrong talk? one. Yep, there you go. So hold on, buddy. Sorry about that. Yeah, there we go. My, there's Mike. Thank you, sir.
11: Yeah, pushed the wrong belt and button, yep. huh? Yep, he did. Yep. <laughs> Good thing we didn't have a meltdown. Anyway, uh, I watched the Groundhog Day today, and our uh, governor was there, as was Miss Submit- or no Miss Pennsylvania. And if I would have known both those folks were going to be there, I mean, I drove out myself and got in the front row so I could see them up close and personal. But I didn't know. So anyway, uh, I'm actually walking real fast right now, so excuse me if I'm breathing apart. Uh, I heard a friend tell me. Uh, I mean, he didn't say I was a Trump pansy this morning, but he said I was out of touch with reality. So I guess Trump pansy and out of touch with reality uh, go together. And the reason for that was I told him that illegal aliens steal your votes. And he promptly told me that illegal aliens can't vote, which is wrong. Uh, it, there's about 12 uh, cities and municipalities in this uh, country already that allow illegals to vote. But more importantly than that, a recent study shows that Pennsylvania would not have lost a congressional, uh, you know, federal office, a a house seat if they did not count illegal aliens in California. California only lost one, and they should have, by by this analysis, should have lost three. And if they would have lost the three, we would not have lost an electoral vote. Mm. So the Pennsylvania people lost an electoral vote because of illegal aliens. So to say that I'm out of touch with reality because I claim that illegal aliens do not, or that they steal your vote, that's just false, okay? And now our government has gone even further. I guess it's Haiti, Cuba, I think the DR and one other country, all they have to do is tap on their phone on this app that the federal government has put out, and they don't have to claim asylum, And when they make it to our border and cross it, the government allows them in and paroles them and allows them just to go on their merry way, just walk in. And to me, number one, that's wrong. And number two, who is that hurting? Number one, it's hurting the taxpayers. And number two, it's hurting the people on the lowest rung of the economic ladder because they're the ones that are going to have the illegals competing for their jobs at the lowest-pay level, and it's going to be hurting them the most. So the people that Democrats claim that they care the most about are actually hurting them by allowing millions of illegals to cross our border. So I want to know, what is what is the desire? What's, what's the rationale? Is the Democrats, and I don't really listen to the Democrats that much, but are they ever uh, articulating why they are uh, supporting this uh, effort to bring millions of people in across our southern border? Can you guys answer that?
1: Nope, no can do. But we'll take it up at a later date. <laughs> call back, Mike. We got to hit the road. Okay, interesting Thank point. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, sure call. well, and I think uh, you know our immigration policy is uh, pretty bleak across the board. There's no ar- uh, argument about that. And well, our policies, you might
2: get an argument. You know, you never know our
1: policies and our enforcement <laughs> are bleak. But with that, uh, we do are not requiring our good guest right now to talk about that particular s- topic. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News correspondent is on the line good morning steve thanks for calling in morning
2: steve hey good morning gentlemen
1: you're on the line with mark lawrence a very bad liberal and joe mcgranahan who's a good conservative across <laughs> from me so he's uh, we're going to ask you a couple questions uh, we're going to start out with the debt ceiling uh yesterday in washington dc uh, mr mccarthy said that it was good what are you hearing that was discussed was on the table and and possible outcomes
9: Well, not a lot of specifics, but generally speaking, uh, both sides are saying it was a productive meeting. Uh, The president this morning was at the National Prayer Breakfast here in Washington about an hour ago and said uh, he he echoed the speaker and said it was a good meeting, and the president said that uh, after 50 years in Washington, he uh, is urging Republicans and Democrats to uh, find common ground and show one another respect, and he said that that's what he and Kevin, Kevin McCarthy are going to do, not a joke says the president <laughs> yesterday's meeting was focused on this question of raising the or suspending the national debt limit that's the statutory cap on the treasury's borrowing authority uh, that allows the US government to continue to do what it's been doing for quite a long time which is spending more money than it takes in in taxes and the uh, uh, you know republicans say that it's time now after all these years to take a look at discretionary spending and bring the Annual expenditures back into balance with annual revenues. And uh, Speaker McCarthy said yesterday that the, the debt is simply too high. A reporter pointed out that uh, a significant portion of the current debt was accumulated during the presidency of Donald Trump. And in fact, while Republicans were in power in the Congress, uh, McCarthy uh, views it differently. He says that over the eight years that Republicans had control of Congress versus the four years the Democrats controlled Congress, even during Donald Trump's presidency that the Democrats in Congress approved spending to a greater extent. What he glossed over is the fact that that was during the COVID pandemic when uh, there were statewide shutdowns and the federal government was leaned on to provide assistance to all of the country. So, um, look, the fact is that both sides have fundamental philosophical disagreements about the moment we're in, about uh, whether to cut spending, whether to cut entitlements And that's something that the White House says that Republicans want to do, even though the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, insists that's not what they want to do. And um, yesterday's meeting was the first of what we expect to be many conversations, and that was the one agreement yesterday that was announced. Both sides agreed to keep talking.
2: Steve, the uh, President has said he wants a clean bill to raise the debt ceiling, while uh, McCarthy says he wants to tie it to spending cuts. I don't see how they can characterize their meeting as being productive when they still are so far apart on key issues.
9: Well, I think that's fair. I think that, uh, you know, nothing happens in Washington without uh, uh, the first meeting. Yesterday was the first meeting of the president and the new speaker of the House. And while they haven't reached an agreement yet, what McCarthy did say is he's optimistic that an agreement will be reached. He said that it's his hope to have a two-year spending framework agreed upon, which would essentially be an agreement in principle for the next, for this fiscal year, for for the coming fiscal year and the one after that, uh, to uh, set, government spending, the agency spending at a certain level. But that takes a lot of uh, work to to achieve, and the Speaker of the House is representing a small majority in the House of Representatives, and one reporter asked him yesterday whether he would have the votes for anything he agreed to, and he didn't want to get into that question. He essentially dodged it. Um, The White House, you're right, is insisting on a clean debt ceiling extension, uh, raise, suspension, whatever you want to call it, to avoid the first ever U.S. government default, which could happen as early as June, uh, if not sooner, depending on how able the Treasury Department is to, to move money around in various accounts to continue meeting obligations to bondholders and to senior citizens who receive Social Security checks and uh, Medicare providers who receive Medicare and Medicaid checks. So there are uh, a lot of uh, moving parts here, but the fact is that uh, this at the, at the end of the first meeting, the answer wasn't, Uh, This is the end of the discussion. In fact, it's the opposite. It's just the beginning.
2: That's kind of like a kabuki dance, though. (laughs) There there is no logical reason to have this debt ceiling except to hold Congress responsible reporting the American people that we're spending a lot more money or we're adding more money to the national debt. Why not just eliminate it? Any feeling that that's something they should consider down there?
9: You know, it's a really interesting question because the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, has, has made that point, and she has said That it's time to do away with this artificial statutory cap on borrowing when Congress has already appropriated these funds and agreed to spend beyond uh, each year's revenues. And we have accumulated this $31.5 trillion debt, which continues to increase with no end in sight. Why do we, subsequent to that or alongside it, have this artificial cap on our borrowing authority? You know who uh, disagrees with her? (laughs) President Biden, who, when asked a few months ago whether he agreed with the Treasury Secretary's position on that, he said no it would be irresponsible. It's hard to square that because, uh, you know, it's hard to explain it, but the debt limit has been in place for 100 years. It was initially imposed by Congress in the aftermath or in the midst of World War One as a means of funding the, uh, the the war, and it has since, and certainly in the last several decades, been used as a way to kind of sort of bring to the fore some of these fundamental disagreements that the two parties have Overspending, and while you know it's important, and, and I appreciate why it's so complicated because Washington budgetary politics are as as important and as convoluted as any. But you have to separate the big picture mandatory spending we call it in Washington, which are things such as Medicare and Social Security where the government has promised years into the future that it's going to uh, pay out certain amounts of money, and the annual appropriations that are called discretionary spending, which uh, are administered essentially by the federal government agencies and the executive branch. And that includes the Defense Department, as well as You know, Health and Human Services and and a whole bunch of other uh, the Transportation Department and a whole bunch of other uh, government agencies that spend the money out of various accounts. And the point is Republicans say that they they believe that there's some waste and abuse and fraud, whatever you want to call it within those agency budgets and they want to chip away at the agency spending. Not the big picture stuff. They insist that they don't want to cut Medicare and Social Security. The White House says (laughs) essentially that Republicans are trying to talk out of both sides of their mouth on this that if you listen to what they've said in the past, they have talked about reducing spending on Social Security and Medicare, even if they're not saying now that that's what they want to do. Long story short, if the two sides don't meet in the middle, there's the potential for a U.S. government default and later in the year, in September, the possibility of a government shutdown where agencies aren't funded. So um, the, the hope and expectation here, frankly, is that some sort of agreement will be reached. We're just at the beginning of it. You're absolutely right to note that there's no middle ground yet But there's talk of the two sides meeting in the middle. Once an agreement is reached, if one is to be reached by the leadership, then the hard part comes. Getting the Republican rank-and-file in the House, and also the Senate, on board with any agreement that Kevin McCarthy might wind up striking with the president.
5: Who has the public
1: on their side? I don't want uh, Joe Zaglongzillion here. I don't want his 401s to crash, so we don't want a default. But at the same time, uh, I do want some spending cuts. Uh, we want, uh, it seems logical that the public would want us to balance the budget. Does the president have the public on his side under this conver- during this conversation?
9: I think that the issue is so nuanced that there's really, it's really difficult to assess the public's view of this. I think, and I don't mean to suggest that uh, you know, it's not possible to poll the question. I think it is. If you were to ask Americans, you know, do we spend too much, I think that you'd, you'd find, or, or, or is the debt too high or something, you know, a pretty basic notion. I think you'd find basic support for the philosophy. But when you get to the nitty-gritty, you know, what is it you'd like to cut? Well, some Republicans think we ought to cut our support for Ukraine. Is that a popular notion? Uh, maybe it is amongst you know certain people in the country, but the president disagrees with that fundamentally, and so do most Democrats. Yes or no, uh, qu- oh, please go ahead. Right, so then you have uh, questions such as, uh, all right, what's another thing you could cut? Well, what about uh, support to uh, needy families? Well, you know, that, that might poll well, but then again, you're never going to get Democrats on board for that. Uh, the, the president wants to forgive student loan debt through his emergency measures here, Uh, That's not something uh, for Congress, but Republicans say that it it actually has an impact on the deficit, because that was revenue that the government was counting on in in current law. So, you know, in the broadest possible sense, sure, it makes perfect sense to say that there should be spending reductions, but I would expect, come March 9th, that's five weeks from today, when the president's expected to release his budget, I would expect him to propose an increase in discretionary spending, not a reduction, And uh, that doesn't get us any closer to any kind of agreement.
1: Yes or no question, do Republicans really want to cut Social Security and Medicare?
9: Well, it depends on what's, you know, this is, again, where you get into Washington uh, gobbledygook, but what's a cut, right? Um, I think that no matter what changes Republicans are are going to propose, they're going to face opposition from Democrats, Um, I don't know what they're going to propose, and there have been a number of proposals in the past, but the Speaker of the House said on Sunday uh, on Face the Nation, and he said it again yesterday at the White House, that he is not talking about cuts to Social Security or Medicare. If you take him at his word, well, then it means that this issue is not going to be resolved in this moment. Uh, But we are only three to five years away from Medicare's insolvency, according to the experts, and about a dozen years away from Social Security's insolvency. At a certain point, America's leaders are going to have to grapple with this issue, and it's simple math either you raise taxes or you cut benefits. And okay. at a certain point, some kind of compromise has to be reached.
2: I know we have to let you go, but I got to ask you this. Do you have any sense of when we will get to the point, if we allow this debt to continue to expand, that eventually our debt service will will surpass all the other federal spending?
9: Well, I, at the moment, uh, I, I don't know the specifics in terms of how much the, the government pays in terms of debt service. I know that, the, obviously, that grows with interest rates growing. I, I know that and this is a point that McCarthy made yesterday, the The current debt, $31.4 trillion, is well in excess of the national economy as a whole, the GDP. And that, Republicans say, is a very dangerous place for America to be.
1: Thank you so Thanks, much for Steve. your insights and information. Very much appreciated. Yeah, we Thank really you, do Steve. appreciate
2: your input. Thank you, Steve.
1: Uh, Steve Portnoy on the newsline, uh, CBS News correspondent. We'll open up the phone lines again. Uh, we got one caller waiting. We got to take a mandatory break, and we'll be right back.
3: Mm, mm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good Sunbury Motors your oil change, tire alignments, brakes and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. mm. out of auto repair.
1: Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, Eric has been patiently waiting through our guest Stephen Portnoy. Good morning, Eric. Thank you again for calling in. Go right ahead.
10: Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. I don't mind waiting a little bit. Um, Interesting. Um, Puxatani Phil, right? So we have this groundhog uh, prognosticating, you know, the weather and everything. And isn't it interesting that also the symbol chosen by the Pennsylvania Lottery is the same stupid rodent? (laughs) Is
2: there any correlation there, gentlemen? I don't know, but I have a groundhog that occasionally lives under my shed in the backyard, and I've asked him what the weather's going to be, and he never answers.
10: Well, he's probably a, he's probably a Democrat,
2: right? It <laughs> may well be. <laughs>
10: <laughs> you are going to get a clear answer from him, are you, are you Joe?
2: No, That's right. why
1: he lives outside, <laughs> otherwise he'd have a nice place. That's true. But he'd he'd move into the uh, house. I think
10: it's interesting. Um, so in the, in the headlines in the Daily Adam today, it said that uh, Fred Keller, thank goodness, has found the job. Did you see
1: that? <laughs> yes, I did read that story. I didn't see it, it but I've heard uh, about it. In Lancaster. So, well, and he also it was. it was also announced yesterday that he is now a fellow with the Open Discourse Coalition, that great uh, open mic opportunity for uh, smart folks to do good conversations with each other up in lewisburg they sent out an email yesterday saying we are delighted to have fred on board to bring his insights from harrisburg and washington to bucknell students and help the open discourse coalition increase our reach into the community
10: uh frankly i think uh fred stepped in <laughs> heavily with uh who he backed with uh, all uh former president trump's uh rhetoric and so forth and as a result of that lost his uh lost his base and now is out of politics and um, based upon what he did his last couple of years in office I'm happy to see that. What? I wish Fred Bass, I have nothing personally against the gentleman He's, he's apparently is a good businessman and my final comment is this so uh, Mr. French I guess locally here is the one who purchased the company in Lancaster and has now hired Fred to manage that. I guess he hired Fred formerly at one of his companies, whatever. But also the gentleman who is now running Woodmoat from what I understand Right. O- owns Woodmoat, Mister French.
1: One hundred percent true across the board. Yep.
10: Okay, so so they recently shut down wood mode, right, for three three weeks. I'm assuming that they the, the employees were not paid; they were laid off for three weeks oh, while they, they were
1: unemployed. Yeah,
10: yeah, they shut shut the whole plant down for for three weeks to because of this computer glitch, you know. So why why you couldn't continue to produce cabinets and everything? But isn't it interesting? I'll just throw this out there that they were shut down for three weeks. Isn't that really the... Amount of time you can actually get unemployment benefits without having to seek a job. I think what,
2: what you're missing here and what you haven't brought into the equation is the fact that they apparently had a computer virus that affected them, and that's not something they did deliberately. And if their computer and let's face it, woodworking today is largely computerized yeah, and computer a, aided manufacturing. So, so what are you going to do? you I mean, you can't you you can't run the th- program with a virus in the middle of it. For heaven's sake,
10: you can't you can't uh, you. Can't construct cabinets. You can't, uh, you know, finish cabinets. You can't hand rub because they're you know, hand rubbed cabinets. You can't do
2: anything.
6: Oh, but it's amazing at, at, at
10: three weeks when you know the uh, state will pick up the unemployment benefits for these guys. The three weeks, then he brings them back to work. Interesting.
2: Okay. Well, you obviously are seeing something that the rest of you—you you obviously believe there's something nefarious here. I'm not cer- certain I buy that.
10: Well, it's not the first time that he shut that plant down, though, right? Those guys have been on and off work for quite some time.
2: Really? I, I don't recall. You may be right. I'm not familiar with it, but you may be uh, right. All right, we got you. Thank you so much, Eric. Okay, just just, just some thoughts out there. Yep, Thank you. They, much appreciated. You, you and uh, Stan throw things out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Lance, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Last caller before a quickie break.
6: Okay, well, you realize that the February 2nd is actually a very uh, serious, observed holiday within the Christian community?
2: Groundhog Day? I mean,
6: it's, no, you, they perverted it. See, this is the purification of Mary. This is when Christ was uh, presented at the temple. This is what they do. It's the uh, Feast of the Candles, you know, Candlemas mm-hmm. Day, they call it. And uh, throughout history, well, they figured it out that, well, it's a little lim- limerick here. If Candlemas Day be blue and bright. Six more weeks of winter's might. But if Candlemas day be dull and gray, spring is only days away. And that goes back centuries. So, based on that, they come up with this groundhog. This isn't just a, uh, well, a stupid uh, thing that some. Uh, <laughs>
2: stupid person come up with. No, it's a stupid thing a stupid person came up with. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: It is. It does have history, especially Pennsylvania Dutch history. These folks brought it over from Europe. Of course, I believe they used hedgehogs where it started, but we don't have those here, so (laughs) they had to switch.
2: I have a squirrel that's pretty good at telling me when it's going to snow. There you have it. (laughs)
6: Yeah. You're right. If we have them here, you know for sure what's going to
2: happen. Right. Well... I don't think Roden's forecasting the weather is something that we ought to put a lot of stock in.
6: Oh no, no. But it's just that it's kind of been uh, perverted from what it should have been, which is the festival or the Feast of Lights, you know, to commemorate a very important thing in a Christian religion.
2: (laughs) Okay. 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 Okay,
1: All right, we got you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right. We would invite you to call us now, 570-743-WKOK. That's 570-743-9565. I am Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe hands across me. Lynn Hall's our fabulous producer, so we appreciate her help and hard work. I want to tell you about our sponsor, and that would be, are you ready for this? The Sunbury Motor Company? <sighs> Joe, you take all the surprise out of it. Yes, the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership. And we're talking about different uh, vehicles. We're still on the Hyundai pages that they sent up. Oh, Kia. We're on Kia. Uh, We are going to talk about, uh, we talked about the electric EV6 yesterday. Let's talk about the Kia Forte. Very popular, very well loved by Consumer Reports, and uh, it's a real economy car. It gets gas mileage that averages 35 miles to the gallon and still has what Joe loves, which is rear cross-track warning, emergency braking, uh, automatic emergency braking, uh, lane-keeping assistance, lane departure warning, forward collision warning, and 34 miles to the gallon overall, which means on the highway from exit to exit, you're going to get about 44 miles to the gallon. And in the dead of winter, for short trips and letting the car warm up in the winter, it's going to be 24 miles to the gallon, which is more than most other vehicles get uh, all the time. It's got great climate control. A Kia Forte. It's an economy car. Less than $25,000 for this uh, vehicle. So, you know, you're getting a vehicle and, of course, it's like all the Kias. Uh, It is built to last and last and last, and they would just love to super serve you like they do so many other people at the Sunbury Motor Company with a Kia Fortage, a Forte. Uh, check it out at Sunbury Motors. Call us now with your opinion on these important topics. Talk to Stephen Portnoy about uh, the uh, debt ceiling conversation that was held yesterday. I don't know why. Maybe it's the eternal optimist in me. I think that this is a good thing that they're talking across the table. Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy were in on that. Uh, Earlier we talked about some of the fallout and police policy changes that are being talked about after the death of Tyree Nichols in the funeral yesterday. What's your view on these topics? Open phones, uh,
12: 570-743-WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you can trust in the area.
1: All right. Yesterday, the FBI showed up at President Biden's beach house in Delaware with a search warrant, but they say they didn't find any more classified documents. The president already admitted to finding a pile of them uh, at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, right by the string trimmer in his garage, former President Mike Pence and President Vice Trump. Vice President. Uh, yes. White House said that they were disappointed that the depictions, depictions of the house were so widely circulated yesterday. Up to then, reporters had... Expressed a discretion and not shown pictures of the president's home. Sure.
2: Why should we show his two
1: mansions? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I didn't anyway, realize we've
2: got three phone callers. Okay. Online. Yeah.
1: Let's get to the callers. Uh, Joe, you're on the mark from Williamsport, PA. Go right ahead. You're go. Go
6: ahead.
13: Yeah, I was just calling in uh, reference to uh, Eric's last phone call there uh, about wood mode <coughs> and. Uh, but, I know somebody close to the situation and uh what it was was a form of ransomware whereas uh it, somebody infects your computer system and uh you, you need at times need to pay a certain amount before they'll free that system up um there there wasn't anything sinister on the owner's part and uh also uh Everything in those cabinet factories these days is computer-automated. So if that system goes down, that affects everything. Unless you're an Amish cabinet factory, uh, everything's automated. I think just to insinuate that something sinister, uh, I think was pretty irresponsible just to throw it out there and see if it sticks with really not having any backing behind it. So. That's all I wanted to say about that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, we're having the same thing right here at WKOK. Uh, CBS News uses the Skyview network for their uh, dissemination of all of their features and everything via satellite, and Skyview had a big hack. And so now we are downloading and airing the newscast by hand, sort of pre-satellite. There was a time we had had, uh, ultra-clear phone lines you would get this information from, but we've abandoned those lines a couple centuries ago, or a couple decades ago. And so now we're downloading them by hand. So when you hear the CBS News coming up, uh, it will have been downloaded at about five minutes before the hour by Matt, and it will be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, the computers, if you depend, you live by the computers. You and die by the You computer. temporarily <laughs> die by them. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Thanks thank for you calling for, in. Appreciate your call. Yep. yep.
13: Have a good day. You
5: Joe. too, you too buddy, sir. Thank, thank
1: you. you. Oh, Joseph from Milton, who's a big believer in Groundhog Day. I know this to be true. Good morning, sir. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yes, I uh, am not. Uh, Yeah, speaking of Groundhog Day, that's what I want to talk about. You know, there's another old saying, uh, red sky at night is a sailor's delight, red sky in the morning is a sailor's warning. Right. And that comes from the Bible, you know, because the Savior said that. He said, you know, you can discern the signs of the times. If it's red at night, it's going to be fair. And if it's red in the morning, it's uh, going to be overcast. But then he went on to say this. (laughs) You hypocrites! You can discern the face of the skies, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And uh, that's more or less what I want to speak about, just briefly. I don't know if you watched Tucker Carlson last night, uh, but he had a, a, a little a, 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 a near the end of his show. There, he was talking about the government wanting to do away with currency as we know it. You know what I mean? And bring in uh, all digital currency. You know, electronic mm-hmm. funds transfers was mm-hmm. was down to. And that's the signs of the times. I mean, we have satellites today that they can so accurately, and I am amazed at what they can do. And they they make very little mistakes, and even telling you how, how what the weather the 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 degrees are going to be next in two three days ahead of time. And, and I've checked it out, and they they're right on most of the times. You know, within a, a few degrees, you know, of what they're predicting. And they can really discern the signs of the times today, but they have no awareness whatsoever as to the days that they're living in. As they didn't back then, they didn't know who okay. he was. You know what I mean? And they killed him. You know, okay. even his own people did that. You know, it was right. the church that killed him, by the way, back then.
1: Okay, well, Joseph. Of his
5: day, and it's the same thing. <laughs> Where happened.
1: are we headed and, here? <laughs> Anything related to uh, the debt ceiling or Woodmode's computer virus? or
5: This is dating <laughs> to up? your eternal future, <laughs> your eternal existence, one place or another. And gotcha. this isn't important to you guys. I know I know you Christians. I guess that's probably why it's not important to you.
6: All right. We got you. All right. Yeah. Thank
1: you so much, sir. Thank you for calling in. Very much appreciated. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who is next? Uh, Cindy's going to be the last caller before a quickie break. Go right ahead.
14: First of all, I want to say that I'm delighted that the president sat down with Speaker McCarthy. I mean, how do you ever solve a problem if you don't sit down and I agree. and work on it? I mean, it, it's ridiculous to suggest that they should not attempt to a cordiality and, a, and a, a collegial relationship and try to get something done. I, I'm amazed.
1: Can you imagine and, if it caught on? <laughs>
14: yeah, can you imagine? You know, let's look at what's going on here in Pennsylvania, where the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House said, no, we will have nothing and shut down government for 60 days. That's what he's done. Is he's that on a what speaking
1: tour. Or no, a listening tour. I'm sorry, listening tour.
14: Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, he's going to listen. Um, but I wanted to say I, I would be happy to take on the task of reducing federal spending. And,
2: <laughs> and how would you do that, Cindy?
14: I can tell you, Joe. <laughs> First thing I would do is I would cut our appropriation of $5.9 billion to the House and Senate. I would cut it by 10% and tell them to work it out. I think that's a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, There's no doubt when I see all these lunches they give themselves, et cetera, I just think it's obscene. I would immediately, the first thing, good leadership, you cut yourself first. So the first Mm -hmm. thing we should do is cut the spending I mean the inside spending on the legislature, both both houses, right off the top, uh, and at the and at the uh, White House. Frankly, we should reduce the spending at the White House. You know, you can't get up at a podium and carry on about hungry children in schools and then have a state dinner where you serve this opulent meal to a bunch of uber wealthy people. I mean, that's just so hypocritical. It just sickens me.
2: But
1: Cindy. We have sent smart people to Washington, but something happens when they get there. Well, they got to eat.
14: <laughs> and they should get out their wallet and pay for it. It's not my responsibility to feed them. They should be paying for it. Every place I ever worked, I paid for my meals with maybe an exceptional moment where they had, like, nurse's day and gave the nurses a free lunch.
1: Cindy, we sent one of the most fiscally-minded individuals to Washington, D.C., from Snyder County, and $6 trillion got built up while he was there in the national debt. (laughs) $6 trillion.
14: And he realized the hopelessness of it and washed his hands. Understand, having been a part of the school district, that it's against their religion. It is against their very core to consider, to reflect on whether or not they could reduce their spending. It's just, it's just ridiculous. You know, yesterday they announced they've added an embassy in the Solomon Islands. For the love of Mike, what do we need an embassy? All of this is posturing, you understand, Solomon. but it's posturing that comes at the expense of the American people.
2: Well, please, I've applied for the job as ambassador to the <laughs> Solomon Islands. supposed to be nice there.
14: Joe, yeah. I would be careful. There's probably a lot of people who would enthusiastically send you to the Southwest. I'm sure there are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, myself included. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe. Nice to know you. Well, uh, you're not welcome I, I just to call think anymore. That's ridiculous.
14: So, another thing going to this issue is that I would reduce the number of embassies and whatever satellite offices they have, one per country. One. We have countries where we have four, five, six of these satellite consulates throughout the country. All of this is costing us money. All of it is costing us big dollars. In regions where there are very small, geographically small countries, I would have a group. For example, I would not have an embassy in the Vatican. The the embassy of Italy can serve the embassy of the Vatican. Mm -hmm. So I would do that reduction. I would reduce the military spending. First, no more than one base per country, period. So in Europe, we would make a substantial reduction. And no more foreign bases. No more. You want a new one, you're going to have to cancel, close another one. You know, what they all amount to is a straw in the big milkshake of the American budget that sucks money out of our country and sends it someplace else. All those people who work at those embassies (laughs) spend their money there. They're not coming home with that money and spending their money here. So that's a withdrawal from from our bank account. All those military bases, 25,000 people in Germany gives me a break.
1: So asking you to support the next stimulus package along with another stimulus payment to people not going to happen, huh?
14: I told you, I told everyone, I openly declared, when that money was sent to our home, I gave it to our grandchildren.
1: Cause, yeah, because they're going to pay it back. That's maybe. their money. Yeah, it was maybe. taken
14: from them by these cowards in D.C. Right. who think that the answer to retaining their position, maybe if we make it a little less lucrative by reducing the budget of Congress, Maybe they wouldn't be so quick.
1: All right, we got to hit the road. But
14: okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you s-
1: so much. Yeah, audio. And, and, uh, audio. See, was, and, and, and I'll
2: Send you a postcard from the Solomon yeah, Islands. Solomon Islands.
1: Well, you can bone up on World War II history, so you'll be you. Uh, you're going to come back a lot well, smarter. Spend a lot of time in the Solomon Islands. You love, love that. Okay, we'll be right back. We got our last caller of the day standing by.
12: We got three
15: Hey, uh, real quick, uh, talking about the malware uh, with the wood mode. If you you remember during the holidays when the airlines were shut down and uh, they had a computer problem and how do you say uh, we were in a falling stock market economy-wise and all of a sudden when they went back up online and when the stock market was going down, Bitcoin went up 20%. So that there tells you, that there was a payoff, and it, and this, it's it's a big to do with these big companies. Second, is is Biden think tank the director Mike right? If you listen to Biden's speech in Ukraine where he says if they don't fire the prosecutor, you're not going to get a billion dollars, and if, and if you listen to that whole recording, he talks about Mike. Mike was there
1: in Ukraine with him.
2: Hey, thanks for your comments. We appreciate them, Bill. I'm sorry we ran out of time. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, nice call tonight.
1: tomorrow. Well, we're going to enjoy our Financial Friday broadcast tomorrow. So we'll have the Great Assessment of Valley Chamber of Commerce here, and we will be talking to them about uh, business. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.